You're listening to a 1FM podcast. We are Geelong, the greatest team of all. We are Geelong, we're always on the ball. We play the game as it should be played. And welcome to the AFL opening bounce for the grand final edition of the AFL show this year. It's been a big year and we're down to two teams left and we just had both their songs there. The Cats and the Swans are going to play the big dance tomorrow and they had their parade today and all the way through Melbourne and we get a public holiday for it, but we're still here on air because we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, big thanks to Ralph for some great music over the last couple of hours. It was uh, always good to have Ralph on and one more show, Ralph. We'll be here again next week to do a follow-up show. Then we'll be out of your hair for a while and you you can keep playing music a bit longer. But uh, I've got with me, I'm back in the studio. I missed last week, but I was listening in. I did send in some texts and things to make sure I threw stats and it worked quite well. Uh, definitely blew him out of the water there for a little while. But I've got the two boys back in the studio with me. Sydney The Bridge, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, good to be here, ladies and gentlemen. And yeah, big... Another big week of football last week, wasn't it? Some terrific game. That Sunday game was outstanding. And, uh, you know, like, we've got, what's going to happen tomorrow? We'll find out. Well, look, it's a, it, they were good games of footy. We will talk about them. But before we do, let's introduce the big man himself, Mark, the stats man, Owens. Mark, how you doing? How you going, boys? How you going, listeners? Yeah, uh, second last show of the year. Grand final weekend, both in the Go Tape Golden Valley Football League on Sunday and, of course, AFL. Back at the MCG since 2019 and just can't wait for tomorrow afternoon. Well, let's uh, let's talk local footy first. Your grand final KDL last last week. You did the netball and the the uh, all the other games as well from start of the day. I was listening in as I, I was away. Um, how'd the day go as far as results and things like that? I think they were pretty mixed across the board. And I, look, it would have been probably fair to say that it was maybe a mini upset that Lancaster beat Murchison to Lambert, although a lot were in Lancaster's camp. But uh, what a great game of football that was last week. Played in, I must admit, uh, atrocious conditions. And then on Sunday in the Go Tape Golden Valley Football League in the prelim, wow, well, the players had to go off for half an hour or more in scenes that I've probably never seen at local footy level. With that heavy rain? Yep. Yeah, it was... Thunder and whatever was coming around. But the game on Saturday, I, I thought it was terrific. I listened to it, I was pruning away, and I listened to the, the boys commentate the thirds, the seconds, and, you know, Nagambi winning the thirds was a good... They haven't won one for a long time. Uh, Lancaster beat Avenal in the seconds. Avenal hadn't lost a game all year. Uh, that was terrific. I, I thought the, the calling was great. I, I, I felt involved in the day and the conditions, you know, I'm, I'm trying to prune in it and whatever. 
what were the crowds like for the day? Like the as crowds far as were numbers? massive uh, across both days, absolutely huge, and particularly on Saturday for the grand final. And I think the numbers are going to be big again for the grand final and the Go Tape Golden Valley Football League. Of course, the KDL last Saturday, like I said, big numbers, and I'm expecting big numbers on Sunday with Achuca and Yaroa in the grand final. I was up up in uh, Moama and they had the their uh, finals on up there and it was packed. There was cars miles back from there to go through, but it, it did turn by oh by I reckon about the end of the seconds. Um, you would have been wanting a, a pretty solid umbrella because she poured down for the rest of the afternoon on and off, but they had a good crowd there too. So it's great to see crowds at local footy. If you are around and you can get a ticket to the GVL this week down at Deakin Reserve, make sure you do go down and, and support some local footy and take your radio with you so you can listen to the boys do the call as always bits. So uh, it was good. But I just thought we'd touch base on the hard work that you've been putting in there, Statsy, before we talk about the the two big games that we had last week. And, and of course, the first one of those was the Cats and the, the Lions or the Cats versus maybe some Witches hats might be another way of putting it. 18 goals, 12, 120, 7 goals, 7, 49. Overall, it was a... Uh, and Lions on on running on empty, I think, is probably one way of putting it. They they just didn't give us what we'd seen from them over the year. Well, they they obviously had a big week the week before to beat Melbourne and, and played their, their grand final then. That, that was, well, their preliminary final. Like, they were out of steam. They looked flat. And Geelong never let them get into the game at any one point of time. It was a... It was the weakest final we've had all, all season. The rest of them have been outstanding. That was the weakest one. And Dangerfield was back to his old form stats? He was brilliant, wasn't he, Dangerfield? He kicked the first two goals uh, of the game, I think, in that yep. in that one. And he was just absolutely outstanding. 720 metres gained, 28 disposals, 16 uh, contested possessions and eight score involvements was obviously by far and away a BOG. Oh, I think, yeah, definitely some superstar votes headed in that direction from, from him. But big Tommy Hawkins got four. Uh, Tyson Stengel with three as well. So uh, he's, I guess, over the final series, uh, proven that he, he he's All-Australian uh, Guernsey was warranted. He was. Um, Cameron was quiet. He had he had the quietest day for a long, long time for him. And maybe he w- they were doing okay. He'd had a hamstring, so maybe he just didn't have to test himself. Well, he still Get had through the 12 game. touches, still kicked one goal too. So he, he yeah. still got a bit of it. He and he played upfield a bit as well. And, and I guess when you've got Hawkins and Cameron there, some games probably aren't built to have them both standing together in the forward line. So that oh. It was a, a little bit... Uh, he's played up the ground most of the year, Cameron. I think he's had a fantastic year. I, just, I felt he was a bit quiet on the day, that was all. Okay, uh, one that he did got two goals late, but had no influence in the first half at all was Gary Rowan after his week the week before, but two goals in the second half there got through and he did end up with ten touches, so he still got a little bit of the ball. Can I ask a question on Brisbane? You can. They finished sixth in the home and away. Their official finish now is fourth, so they elevated two places from their home and away position. Yet I feel like it's a fail for them. Look, they've got a problem in their forward line, really. Like, Danaher did nothing much. Um, the other two big boys, McStay, and that they didn't do enough either. They, they were let down. They let the team down, but did the midfield give them enough of the ball 
is the question. Like, games are won and lost in the midfield, and Geelong did not allow them into there. And so the, the, forward f- the feed to the forwards wasn't good, but they didn't really take their advantage when they had it. it there were 13 more inside 50s to the Cats, though, so they did have a lot more uh, time when they went in there. But the efficiency, like you said, the 37% was their efficiency in as, when they went in to actually be able to get on the scoreboard. So they really struggled with that. Lockie Neal, 87 metres gained, and he had to put up with three tags on the evening. Atkins, Selwood and Bicarbs all sort of had a roll on him on the evening. Yeah, they did keep him pretty well under control, didn't they? And Interesting tactics to rotate three through to tag on Neal. At the end of the day, if you want to try and tag someone of his skill, you've got a pretty big afternoon if you're going to do that for four quarters. So... It's probably the fact that they just simply didn't have enough run in their legs. Selwood definitely couldn't run with him for four quarters, but could for a quarter or two to do it. Atkins, I, I thought, would have stayed with him for most of the game. Um, Blitzarb's probably a very unlikely matchup, those two going head-to-head. Yes. Um, Barry, is Barry was the, the tag from the week before in, against Melbourne, but he didn't seem to have any influence on the game at all. You know, like he wasn't very good. He wasn't very good. No, he had 19 touches, kicked a goal still. Yeah, but the week before, I thought he was outstanding, and got reported, got off. Maybe that upset his week. Only 200 meters gained though, so he just had he had no influence on it. And they were 13 kicks. So if you've had 13 kicks and you've only gained 200 meters, then you probably haven't done too. You know, they're, they're pretty short kicks just to be able to do that. Mm. They're not even 15 meter kicks. Yes, that's right, and. Like, McStay's going to walk out the door at this stage. Uh, <laughs> they've got to gain some more value. Where, where does the value come to take Brisbane to that next level? And are they going to get it out of the draft? Or are they going to get it out of swaps? I just can't see them picking up that two or three real good quality that they need. What's well, the- well, they don't need forwards, really, do they? They've got them to burn. They need defenders. Well... Yeah, but I, I actually think it's their midfield. Like Neil is terrific; gets the ball and, and well, they're hands it get, out to them if they can afford it. They're going to get Dunkley, so you'd, he goes straight into their midfield. Yes, but he's not a first grade midfielder. I, really. I, I no, sorry, I, I disagree. I believe he is. Uh, if his problem is, is that he's been in a a team full of kings and he's the jack, um, and he's just on the outside. He's been playing centre half, forward, or thereabouts, or a wing. He's not been in there. Look at the first half of the final, or the, even the second half. His tackling pressure, his effort in the midfield. I think if he got into a club where he was acknowledged as a true midfielder, he, he would actually go good. I have to side with Jason. I think he's an A grader. Yeah. I, I think he's an A grade player. So Saints get your checkbook not an out. A, not a, he's an A grade player, but he's not an A grade midfielder. He's a, he's a terrific half forward flank. Goes in the midfield every now and again. Yes. But as a half-forward flank, taking that mark and bringing the ball in, I think he's great, yes. We'll relive this conversation in another um, 8 or 12 months' time, Bridges, when he's in a new club. He's actually been given the keys to, to have a go. I see him as a player very similar to Jack Steele. Very, very much of the same mould. They're a tackling midfielder. He's, he's a player that can run with somebody and then run off them at the same time. It's a big loss to the Dogs. that They really are going to rue losing him, but obviously he doesn't want to stay. No. 
But the big question when we get to trade news, and this will be a bit more of next week's topic because we'll have some more info because trade period would have opened. But how are the Brisbane going to afford him? They don't have a top 10 pick to buy him. They don't have much to offer. They're going to have to sell. They're not, not going to get much for McStay. He, he's going and... I'm not sure whether they've got anyone else that's leaving Brisbane, have they? I think they've got somebody else. I do remember... No, someone going to Collingwood. Is he? Uh, no. Yeah, McStay's going to Collingwood. No, that's um, one from the Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Isaac Rankin's going to Collingwood from no, there. No, Rankin's yeah. going to Adelaide, isn't he? Rankin's going to Adelaide. It's well, someone's going to Collingwood. Yeah, it's a, a young bloke that's not really getting a go. Right. Well, then they're not going to get a real lot there. So uh, I have to, a lot of these trades. We talk about it. Rory Lobbs, another one. Rory Lobbs says I'm I'm going to the Bulldogs. Well, great. But Freo, one, he's under contract to Freo, and two, Freo uh, Bulldogs don't have a high pick to give. They don't have much to give. Just so, want to just want to make a correction. Dangerfield kicked the first goal of the game, but he kicked his second first quarter goal later on. It wasn't the first time. I was extremely dirty on Dangerfield kicking that first goal. I went to put my $5 on Dangerfield to do it, thought I'd done it, cheered through the goal, and then checked my account later and realised I hadn't hit the final submit button and it never went through at $26 he was paying. So I nailed it, but I didn't nail it. (laughs) But look, in this one, if we look at what happened here, I think this... Uh, walkover game suits the Cats going into this week. They're an old side. If they'd had the the rocky battle that happened up in Sydney, Dangerfield, Selwood, all those guys would have had to fight to the death in that last quarter. They would have had to use twice as much energy. Instead, they were they weren't rested, but they had no pressure on them. They did they could jog, they could do what they wanted. They they were allowed to their old bodies to rest. I think that's the setup they needed. If this game had gone down to the wire, it would really tax them for this week. I, I could make, I could run the argument that it actually suits Sydney more than Geelong. Uh, and based on having having a hard hit out against Collingwood the way they did to Geelong's easy hit out. Now they've had like twenty odd days with just that sort of hit out, and probably wasn't really a great match simulation for a grand final. With pressure. I think Sydney having a, and we'll talk about the Sydney game in a minute, I think them having a, a, a battle, that's a good thing for them. But I think if the Cats had had such a big battle, they would be really, that would hurt them this week. I think it's the only way they're going to have enough petrol in the tank to try and take Sydney on. Yes, but I, I'm on Stats' side in the fact that to go into grand final, because they've, they've had, last week they played a game. The week before that, they were off. They had played nothing. a practice match. Sure, but it's like training. You never get the yeah, same out of training. Yeah, it's not the same. No, I and know. And then the but week before that, they played a game. Then they had the week off before that. So they've played two games in five weeks of footy. Well, that's, uh, the, way, that's the way the AFL wanted it to be. And one was pretty bruise-free. And one was bruise-free. So I don't think that's going to really help them. It just depends on... We'll get to the game later. I think when when you look at the age of them and the fact that they've always fallen that little bit short come this pointy end of the season in the last few years because of their age. Every age uh, for Geelong, 28 years and 173 days. And that's only because they've got a couple of kids in there. Otherwise, it's probably average of 30. Mm. <laughs> a couple of the young guys, if they didn't have to Koenig and a, a few others that are in the 18s or 20s, then they would be well over. So, look, good win to the Cats. That, uh, get some, uh, gets them to the grand final. Um, it could be the last chance for some of these guys to actually 
get to a grand final and to to actually go through. So I'm glad to see him there. I'm I'm happy to that they got through. A bit sad for for Mark and his Brisbane uh, his Brisbane Lions. He did message me earlier. I spoke to him on the phone earlier, and he was a little bit. A little bit heartbroken that his boys had had fallen sh- so far short. I think was really the the issue he had with it. But not much you can do about it now, except prepare for next year. No, but that's four years in a row. I think that Brisbane have fallen. At least this year they won a f- couple of finals. Uh, that's the first finals they've won. So <laughs> winning at the MCG is a tick in a final. Yeah, it was. It was a good game. They played well to beat Melbourne. I thought that was a terrific game and. If they'd have brought that same competitiveness and whatever, but how long should windows stay open for? I think is where you're getting at. Well, in theory, they should still be open. They should still be there next year, but they are going to need that couple of players, as we were talking earlier. They need a, be- a more consistent forward. They need a, another backman to go with Andrews, who seems to have peaked and gone down over the hill, and they definitely need some more run in that midfield. How can you have another forward? You've got Hipwood and Danaher. You've got to give one up if you're going to do that. Well, you could probably do that without without losing much because they're non-reliable. Uh, there's no good having a forward there that doesn't do the job when you're you're your backs are to the wall. And the week bef- that they did win against Richmond, Danaher had done nothing much except he kicked the last goal, made him a hero on the night. But the rest forwards of the night are up he hadn't and down. Done Even in the other game, you're still forwards are up and down. You can't rely on it. Cameron didn't have a good game this that week last last week at all. But the different forward, the problem with Brisbane is, is that there's not one always standing up. When one's down, often the other one's down as well. well and McCarthy didn't have a, have any influence on the game either. That you know, he's their third tall, you would say, or marking forward. And he didn't have any influence either. So is that the delivery though? Like their midfielders barely touched the ball. Lockie Neal was their highest disposal getter with twenty, and the and their inside fifties count was lower. Their efficiency, the pressure of that ball coming in, that makes it harder. If the ball comes in lace out and you're on a nice lead and it's easy, then it's great to be a forward. But if the ball's coming in high in a pack contest and you've got the Koenig punching it away, well, that doesn't make it easy for a day. No, I agree with you there, but that's the difference between winning a grand final or put, or playing finals. But then that's the midfield, not their forwards' fault. That's why they need a, a faster, better, mi- better midfield. They need Dunkley. There we oh, go. I See, we've come full circle, Bridges. All right, let's jump to a sponsor's break. Of course, you're listening to the AFL Opening Bounce. It's brought to us by Patentinas. They're the BP up the north end of Shepparton. Stop there and get your fuel. If you're away, you're listening, tuning in to 1FM as you're driving through Shepparton on your way up to the Murray or somewhere for the weekend, stop at Patentinas. They're the BP up the north end of Shepparton across the road from the Maccas there, and they will self-service fuel, uh, full-service fuel, so they'll even fill the car up for you and I'll bet you don't get that in Melbourne in many places. Patentina's BP service station North Shepparton has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Patentina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. And welcome back to the 
AFL opening bounce, of course, live and local here on 1FM. And we will have the grand final broadcast tomorrow, won't we, Stats? We certainly will be. Yep, we will have that here. So you'll be able to listen to it live and local here on 1FM. It'll be the NIRS coverage that's that's brilliant coverage. I love listening to that when I From get off there. From 1 o'clock onwards. From 1 o'clock. Excellent news. Uh, now, that there was another game on the weekend, and it was... It was a cracker. I, I actually missed the start of the game because I thought it was a night game. So I am a bit shocked at the time of the, the game. It makes no sense to me why it wasn't either a 3.20 game the same time that the grand final is going to start or a twilight game like we normally have. To have it in that middle time slot with all the local footy happening everywhere, grand finals happening, just made no sense to me. But anyway, that's when it was. And in the end, it was a one-point win to the Sydney Swans that got them through to a grand final. 14 goals, 11.95. 14 goals, 10.94. One point short, you were, Statsy? Yeah, look, and they trailed by 36 points during that third quarter, didn't they? But uh, look, I'm really proud of Collingwood in a sense that, you know, they finished 17th the year before under Nathan Buckley. Craig McRae comes in, so they were second last. And then in 2022, they get to the second last Saturday of the year. So second last last year to the second last Saturday of this year. I thought that uh, it was a great achievement by Collingwood. Looked disappointed as I was. I managed to watch most of the second half coming home from the KDL Grand Final on the Saturday. And then I watched it in full replay a little later that evening. You watched your pain twice. Yeah, well, I, I, I like to look at... Uh, what went on and to dissect how, you know, sides win or lose. And I, I just can't go off a half of football. I have to see the whole game. Oh, I, was, I missed the first half. So, Bridges, you light us up with the first half part. Obviously, the score was Swans well in front by half time, but you just knew it wasn't going to stay that way. The way Collingwood have played all year, you, you sort of had that idea. Uh, at certain points, I thought, gee, this game's going to be a fizzle. The way Sydney were playing, they, they were moving the ball forward. Their forwards were kicking goals. And Collingwood were just making little basic errors that they hadn't been doing. Now, they they were yeah, still in the game. 36 points halfway through the third quarter is not a huge amount in today's football, as it proved. Now, at three-quarter time... You know, like you would have, if you're a Sydney person, you would have said, oh, we're in here. We're right, mate. Don't worry. We're okay. If you're a Collard person, you were going back to the, the last 14 weeks saying, well, it's not over yet. And I would have loved to have heard the speech. It's a thing that AFL miss out on, I think, by not letting us hear what the coaches say at three half, three quarter time or whatever quarter time. Even just a, a basic of what he said would have been really interesting. I know. Then, then Collingwood got going, and off the back of tackle pressure, yeah, well, she tackle pressure, yeah. and that was what was missing in the first half. Like I was watching, I'm thinking, gee, where was this? You know, the the Collingwood of last week we seen, and the weeks we've seen, because I, I tipped Collingwood, wanting to see this type of football, and I wasn't seeing it. But that last quarter, they brought it. They brought it to the party, and I watched that last bit again, and I, I really don't think Collingwood made any mistakes. Sure, that last minute Kr- they Kruger, Kruger needed to kick that goal that he had open goal uh, mm. 
25, 30 metres out. That was the, the only bit that... That was the... the and he's a kid. Like, I, I know he's not over He'd already young, got a couple, so but he can kick him. That was the only moment, I thought, where they could have done different. But even coming down, when you're watch, I'm watching the clock come down to, to zero, and there's, you know, five, four, three, and the ball's coming in towards the goal, and I think it was Elliot or that that was there, and you just sort of... I had in my mind that the way football's been predicted over the last 12 weeks that this was going to deliberately bounce onto his boot and just slide through for a goal and they were going to make the grand final and the fairy tale was going to be complete for them but then it hit the post and it was just like uh. <laughs> and then there was zero time on the clock and you just knew that Lloyd had to ho- had the ball and that was the end of the game and it just like you guys brought it right down to the wire stats I, I don't think very often you've had Victoria non-Collingwood supporters actually cheering from you for you, but you did then that game. Yeah, look, I think a lot of it was to do with Sam Reid going down in that second quarter. Did make All a difference. Swans. I think it made a big difference. Yeah, and it allowed your backman to cover their forwards because up until then your backman couldn't cover them. And you made a mistake by putting um, Maynard on Franklin. That didn't work at all. And then when you move Darcy Moore there, but then Reed going down did did allow you to get back in the game. Darcy Moore was very good in that last quarter. He read the play well, took a couple of good marks, and and come through. Franklin had the two goals for the game, so eleven touches, two goals, which was useful. Papley was the leading goal scorer, three goals for him, and local boy Jamie Elliott made sure he kept himself in the in the hunt for for doing the right thing for his club with two goals too, and he had a pretty good game as well. Mills done an outstanding job initially on Crispin Pendlebury late in the game. He was absolutely outstanding and won the ball himself with 27 disposals. Luke Parker uh, shut down the goey pretty much. Yeah, on, it was his weakest and final I, I game. Thought, yep, I, I thought he was outstanding and won the footy. And Ryan Clark again getting that role on the halfback as he's done all year. This time he's picked up Nick Dacos. And even though Nick Dacos had 23 disposals, I thought Ryan Clark done a really good job on him and, and shaded him on the evening. I thought it was one, like, Dacos was, was beaten on the day. Yeah, he got possessions, but they weren't the influential ones that he was getting. He's so still 23 and a goal. What more do you want from a guy? He's a backman, He's not, and he gets, still gets a goal. He was completely shut out of it, though, in the first half. Yeah. But so all kind of, I think when you you mentioned Dugowie, I think he's one that really needed to do something more for them. Twelve disposals only, 195 metres gained. Um, he, he, you need more out of him. He was the one that could have lit the game up there, early, even if he did it earlier. And just you need that five minute burst from him to break a game open, and you didn't get that. This is why Sydney is so good because in their midfield they got players that can play roles yet win the footy. Like I said, Parker on Dugowie, Mills goes to Crisp early, and then when they recognise that Scott Pendlebury was getting off the chain, he goes to Scott Pendlebury, keeps them both relatively... Look, Pendlebury, I don't think, touched it in the second quarter. Yeah, kept them both... Uh, look, even though they got, like, 29 disposals between them, I thought that Callum Mills blunted their influence, mm. both players. Pendlebury still looks like he's got plenty left in the tank. Time still stops around him. He's one of those players that, that when he gets the ball, he's just he's got time and everybody else is flustered and under pressure moving it forward. And he just gets it and just he's able, he's able to stop and stand and just deliver it off to where it needs to go. And really at one stage in the game, the Swans were 9-7, the Collingwoods. Uh, they kicked 9-7 and Collingwood kicked 7 straight. 
Mm-hmm. So their straight kicking did keep Collingwood in it. Whereas the week before, Collingwood's kicking was bad and sort of kept you know, the other team in the game. So they did fix that over the week. I'd just love to hear how he speaks to them. That that would be thoroughly interesting to hear the way he, he motivates them and it gives them free licence, Collingwood, to go and run and tear. And you, you watch the way they play when they get that manic game going. They don't muck around with it like they did under Buckley. They take it, bang, forward, mid, forward, they, up the middle of the ground. They, they just move it, and, and it's very hard for a backman to, to stop that happening. And, and that's how they get back into games, because they just go kamikaze. So McRae said to the media that we've fallen agonisingly short. 2022 is a success, but 2023 is a blank page for the Pies, and we've got to start from scratch. So He's right. He's completely right. And I'll be interested to see how they come up in 2023, Collingwood, if they can reproduce what they've done this year. Because a lot of saying... They've overachieved. Do you boys think they've overachieved in finishing third this year? Look, yeah, I, I do. No, I don't. And I've said it for the last five or six years that I believe their list is good enough. And See, I've, I've disagreed with you along that five or six, six years. years. And now we've got a new coach, and the players obviously believe in the coach. They believe in themselves. And all of a sudden they come third, um, third, fourth, whichever way you want to look at it. They, they come to the second last week of the year. Oh, I think that's a pretty good thing for them. And... Uh, yeah, they've got room to move, that, that, and they've managed to do it without Grundy. So I guess if you're at the start of the year, you'll say Collingwood are going to make a prelim final without Grundy for half the year, and on their history, we'd laugh at you. But they did it without Grundy, and then they've obviously made preparations that Grundy's not part of the plans going forward. Seems that way, yes. So they've decided that Cameron's the man, and... That's going to be so. They've made some big decisions mid-season on where they're going forward. They've offered to go with a five-year con- five-year deal, I think, with a behavioural clause. <laughs> well, you'd want that in there, yes. And and so I don't know if he signed that. Do you know if he signed that stats? Is I'm he? not sure yet, to be honest. I haven't no. heard anything. No, he hasn't. No, it's only been offered in the last couple of days. St Kilda have got an offer on the table for five years. And as a St Kilda supporter, I'm sort of hoping, and I think he will stay at Collingwood. I, I sort of think if I had to, uh, if I had to say, will he stay or will he go? I'd, I'd say at this stage he'd stay at Collingwood. Well, if you funnier things that happen though. If you want to win a flag, I sadly as a St Kilda supporter, I think Collingwood are probably closer than the Saints at winning one. So he's probably better off where he is, even if he's on a hundred grand a year less. A premiership's what you're playing for, and uh, look. All credit to Collingwood. They they were dead and buried in the season. They were dead and buried in almost every game that they played for the last half of the year, and they just refused to die. and And that's a culture that that the young kids can build on. And I think yes, it is a blank page to start from or, or starting from scratch next year. But mentally, they won't be mentally in their own mind. They'll know that that playing group gelled, it did work, and that they can go forward. They just need to have an off season without. Um, turmoil from their board and turmoil in the background. They need to, and that's what Collingwood's had over the last few years. Is so much turmoil off field. The last half of the year, or pretty much all year, there's been no noise from the background from Collingwood. Well, you must give this take, lift your hat to the new president Brown. Like he's not a, he's complete opposite to what 
you know, the previous president was, who was always out in the media. You know, Eddie Maguire was out there talking, always had his mouth flapping, but he had Collingwood at heart. Well, now Brown's the opposite. He's quiet. It all happens in the background, but he seems to have settled the ship. Everybody seemed to be at Collingwood going in the same direction except Grundy. Other than that, you know, you've got to hand it to the president to have taken control so quickly and settled the club down. I think it's a it's a real compliment to him. Craig McRae, coach of the year, deserved. Absolutely. Uh, has he been given that, has yes. he? Yep. 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 Oh, I can I can accept that. Yep. Um, I can't see anybody else really standing up. Uh, maybe Fremantle had done better. Uh, Longmire or Mural, that would would have been possibly up there, but Frio fell away when they ne- needed to be standing up. If Scott gets Geelong over the line and wins the grand final, like uh, that's, that's a pretty big effort. He, he's How can you... Uh, it's probably right there, Bridges. How can you announce that before the grand final? It doesn't make sense to me, but it has well, been Well, there's been an argument that the premiership coach should always be coach of the year. Not yeah, necessarily, yeah. but I think it has to be part of the business. I'm just saying there's an argument. I don't say I agree with it. If Collingwood had made one more week, would you not, you know, and they've already given him coach of the year, but he hasn't won the plague yet. So in his own mind, McRae would be going, well, hang on, I haven't won the grand final yet. I'm coach of the year. It, mm. it doesn't make sense. It should be announced at the end uh, 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 on Met, uh, uh, like uh, when they're uh, Norm Smith, bits and pieces, and the coach of the year is. Yeah, I, I just find it a bit strange. They've already nominated. It'll look it. a little. It'll look a little weird on Grand Final day, though. If you've got the premiership coach, and all of a sudden you announce another coach for coach of the year, and he's walking up on the dice to get a medallion, that well, yeah, little, I wouldn't give it that. That, day, that yeah, that well, I wouldn't be well, giving it that. Well, day then the either. following day, whatever. But yeah. I'd think the following week that'd be one that would come out. You would think. Uh, I, I just don't see how you can pick it without the grand final having been played because if Scott wins the grand final for Geelong now, it, it's got to push him right up there. You know, he, he's played finals, what, 12 years in a row or whatever, how many preliminary 12 finals? Six, and 12 of the last 16 prelims they've made. Yep. And they haven't won the big one, though. They've won not in, at least one of those, two of those. Back, but he, he's only won one. He's won one, yes. Right, his first one a game. And you can say, like first year he won it, you can say, was that his grand final win or was that Thompson's? Ha- did he hand over a premiership winning team? To get this one now, though, I think that's a, that, that'll be special for him. Well, what about John Longmire? I, I think for him it, it's massive because he stepped in when Ruse had... had lifted Sydney from the Myers, won a flag with, with, with like Ruse had won the flag. Longmore's got the same sort of history. He's been pushing and pushing. M- my issue with Sydney being up there, and, and I think a lot of people probably feel the same way, is that the free kids they get from their academy, uh, I, I believe, is imbalancing, is imbalanced the league right now. Uh, not only their academy, but they get them from, they, they've got the pick of New South Wales. And ACT. That's Sydney's. When sure Giants get a pick there behind them, but they have that the free reign to get any of those kids. And and let's look at those players that are actually playing in that list. Um, Chad Warner. Uh, I don't Cal- think Warner's one came from it. Warner was picked up from Western Australia. Was oh, he okay? Callum Mills definitely. Yep. Um, Isaac um, Heaney definitely. So there's two uh, that were Gildan and that is another one. 
there's a few of them there that have come from that. Now, if those guys weren't there and they were in other cl- other clubs, would Sydney still be in the same spot? Well, let's I'll throw that question to you, Stats. If they weren't given those free superstars, would they still be in a prelim today? Well, how long is a piece of string? Yeah, but and if you know, if you pull those superstars out, does that change the whole setup of of their their system? Well, how long's a piece of string? You'll just never know. But it happens year after year. We're going to go to the draft this year, and it, they it's can... a question with an unquantified answer. Well, not really, because it's clearly they're having an influence on the game in a big way, and they're handed gifted to Sydney. And if St Kilda had a got Bont and Pally and. Instead of the Western Bulldogs, maybe the Western Bulldogs wouldn't have won a flag, and you can go on. No, that's and different. On, that's and stupidity. On, and on. That's St Kilda's stupidity for not choosing to pick him. That's different. St Kilda's got a very poor record. St Kilda should have the Bont, Petrarca, and Aaron Norton all sitting in their list there, but they don't. They chose not to. That's their fault. Sydney can priority pick and jump up the queue. And now we get to a point this year's draft where Sydney can still take number one pick if they want, if it's their kid that goes, but all the Melbourne-based clubs can't take them till pick 41. Mm. So we now got it. It's gone even worse now. Now, and if you're an academy person, okay, you're training this kid. So Bridges, I'm training you as a 15-year-old. I've brought you in. I'm going to make you a superstar. And... I'm going to pick you at pick 41 at the end. Well, Bridges, if you're only a pick 41, why have I wasted my time on you? I, I think that's a wrong way for the AFL going down this path of this of making the restrictions of that. I think it's outrageous that they've done, given these academy players to pick for 41 before you can actually bid on them. That just doesn't make sense. And it also devalues, as you say, it devalues the kid being picked at 41. If, he sh- if he's... If he's any good, enough, he's going to go top, top 10. Top 10, if he's any good. But because he's been squeezed down to 41, I think they've done it just so you don't value them as highly as you as you would. But then in other in clubs... In five years' time, you're going to say, let's say Heaney went at pick 41. Are you, you're going to say, oh, he was a great pick at 41. But Heaney was never going to go at pick 41. He, he would have been a top 10 He pick. would have been top 10 pick anyway. So in St Kilda's Academy, so Bridges, you are a top 10 player. You're not going to be there for me at pick 41. So why am I going to put any effort into you? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to hope I can jag you in the draft the same as anybody else. I think it goes against the whole system. And, and, uh, and look, I, I give Sydney full credit for making the grand final. They definitely got the deck stacked in their favour as far as kids go, and that's why their list is. How old's their list? Stats? Do you have the average age of? Their I actually list? don't have the average age of their list. I'll probably I could try, I could try and find it out. Yeah, though. try and find out. I reckon you'd probably be looking about, about twenty-five. I reckon 26. about twenty-five. Yep, um, and and that's probably even if and we. That's been because Kennedy's and in let's there take and Kennedy. Franklin, out. Yeah, Kennedy there's, out. There's two or three of those big game players but they have done it they got through by a point Sydney are in the grand final so that they deserve the credit to make there um, now while we're we're on the pies our pie supporter Heather who stabs me with a voodoo doll every time I um, pick the pies and they, and they lose and that did probably stab me there but um, she yeah, was disappointed that her pies lost but the, the following day um, her great-grandson Hudson was born so She's um, pretty much moved on to bigger and better things pretty quickly. So uh, congratulations to Heather for being a, a great grandma oh. and there. So, and then we know she listens in every week to us. And there's a lot of people that do. And, and they do text in stats as we go along. And we, we can reply to those texts as they go along. Uh, all right. So 
that gives it. That brings us down to two now. Major injuries from those two games. Reed from Sydney is the, I think a big the biggest one. When he went off the ground last week, I thought that changed the game. Now he's done. He, is it a groin or abductor muscle or whatever? Abductor, right? Listed to play. He's listed to play, but do you get over that in a week? He's got a bad history of it. He's been playing fantastic. He's had a fantastic year, the, the, the year, year of his career, in fact. And I want to see him play, but I'd hate to see him play to a quarter time and then go off with that same injury. That average age for Sydney is around about 25, just under. And then we take, jo- take Josh Kennedy out of that. That makes it 24. Because <laughs> he definitely adds a year oh, to the whole list. Yeah, but Franklin's part of their starters. Kennedy's retired and not been part of their list really all year. He's played what one, two half games. Um, oh, he played a few early. No, he, he's just been injured. He's just not really part of it. Um, and on the Geelong side, Max Holmes did a hammy, but is also listed to play. So maybe not too bad a hammy. And the the thought of a, a medal uh, is is worth it. Well, we come to this medal bit, and I'm still astounded that the AFL don't, well, only give medals out to the 23 players that are on the, or whatever it is. 23. Yeah, that that they actually only get a medal. But a premiership doesn't come from that 23 players only. It comes from the other 10 that were in and out through the year, and I think anybody that played for Sydney or Geelong this year should get a medal. I, I'm, I'm convinced that that should happen. I understand the sentiment and what you're trying to say, Sydney, but there's been incidences where players have tried to give their medals to other players and it's been a bit awkward. Yeah, but, but why do you think that? Why do you think... Um, Murphy was... The, the beverage to give his medal to Murphy because uh, Murphy was the heart and soul of that whole year and probably a fair chunk reason why they won the premiership because of what he, he his belief of them behind the scenes. He played his life, he bled for the club, and then because he'd done an injury, he can't play on the big dance, and, and he didn't play most of that year, but he gets no medal. I understand the sentiment. Again, I understand it, but even in that incident, uh, a lot of people said that there was an awkwardness behind the scenes after it about... Uh, him well because he, w- he he didn't he accept it. He struggled to accept the medal. No, so. he did. He didn't. He handed it back. Um, but he should have been handed a medal, not on the day. No, not on the day. Not on the I day. No, yes. yeah, on the day. The twenty-three that are there, they're the ones that go up and get their yep. photo. But afterwards, here, Bob, here's your here's your medal. You, you um, played that. You played for the Bulldogs this year. You are entitled to a medal. Yep, exactly. And if we look at your um, structurally important Radagalia stats. He's not going to play this week, but it's structurally important, so surely he well, deserves he, a medal. Well, okay, do you want to walk through that structurally important? Do you want to walk through that? Because <laughs> Again. What happened, okay, so what happened in 2021? That's a long time ago, man. My memory doesn't Jeremy get Jeremy Cameron far. came to the club. And made him obsolete, not structurally but important. But before 2021, he was dead set, particularly in 2020, a part of their structures in a big way. Absolutely. But this year he was—he's not been part of their their whole. Pl- he's been a backup. That's no, all. and he, he hasn't been since Jeremy Cameron came. To that's the right. Team. He needs a trade, but he's still been part of their list. He's still training. He played. He some still games, played some games, and he played the centre back a, a couple of times and looked yep. okay. Why shouldn't he des- deserve a medal if they win? Josh Kennedy, 
is another example there. Uh, he, he's bled for the club. He, every time he runs, he pulls a hamstring. But he's still part of the list. So the AFL need to and, and fix that. Kennedy actually brought it up last week or this week, um, saying that they should get medals. Like, he wants to play, he was desperate to play. Is it simply they're not doing it because they don't want to hand medals back to 150 years' worth of other players? Well, it's interesting because you talk to other players and other players say, well, they would rather not get receive a medal. I, I, but so it's, it's, it's just different opinions. Like you go back Look, to I some, understand your sentiment, Sydney, I really do. You go I back to it, some, of the, some of the players that have been stiffed. Like, one got pushed out of Sydney's team this week. Uh, McDonald, I think, got pushed out, was it? Or maybe he came in, I don't know. But he, he's been in all year, and now he's pushed out of the grand final. He deserves a medal. Who was the one from the Bulldogs last year? He got traded. Um, his name's gone to me now, and he played really well. I think he went to Carlton. Oh, Lipinski was one? No, he no he, he wasn't part of wasn't that. Oh, uh, Hunter? No, the, he got traded. Young. Uh, young, yeah, young. Um, and had a blinder year over there, but... He should have played in the grand final, but he got stiffed out. But he still deserved, if they had won, deserved to get a medal. And you go back even to the, the day, who was it that um, Sheedy cut out a player? And there's been friction going backwards and forwards over that for 20 years. And if you're a player at what? training this week and you know that you're not going to, your team's in the grand final and you're not going to play in it, it's disheartening. It's sort of like as a player, you've. Well, do I like? Do I really care? It's not me. It's not me. But if you're actually part of it, you're given a medal. You're, you're there. You're you're part of the whole experience. And I think just to be told you're allowed in the club rooms and that and that only. It's to me, it's not enough. The problem is, boys. It comes down to individuals, and I know there are individuals, players that have told me uh, behind scenes and that that they would rather not receive one. I think you find ninety nine point nine percent. Would rather be acknowledged. I think you're wrong on ninety nine point nine percent. A ninety nine point eight. Then okay, I'll let you have. I'll let I you think have you're point. wrong. Uh, I, I disagree. I, I, I think more, I think more th- more would than not. And I it, actually it, think it might be the other way, Sid. No, I doubt it. No way, stats. No, no. They, they, this is their life. This is what they bleed for. The coaches, the whole oh, no life. Doubt. No so, doubt. But so, and if just because you're not the part of the best twenty two on the day doesn't mean you didn't have an influence on the year. And that doesn't mean as well you don't barrack or you're not invested in your club winning, but, like, I just know that there'd be players out there that wouldn't take the medal. Yep. All right, let's jump to a sponsor's break. On the other side of that, we're going to talk about the Brownlow and the the great win that Paddy Cripps had, but the win maybe it shouldn't have been. You're listening to the AFL Opening Bounce, brought to you by Pat and Tina's BP service station up the north end of Shepparton. Pat and Tina's BP service station North Shepparton has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile, the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. And welcome back to the AFL opening bounce. The one day in September is tomorrow. And that is the biggest one of them all. Cats and the Swans do battle, and our coverage takes off from 1 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Who are the so coolest stats, by the way? I'll go through know? that for you. It's actually in two parts tomorrow. So from one o'clock tomorrow afternoon, after essential hits, 
uh, will be going to the MCG. The grand final pre-match will be hosted by Barry Denyer and Peter Cardamoni with special guests from the crew, including Chris Johnson, Andrew Cracker, Gilbert McAdam, Peter Crackers Keenan, Travis Fitzgibbon, Graham Smokey Dawson, the XABC commentator, and Terry McAuliffe. Of course, he's a race caller in Adelaide. And then at 2 o'clock onwards, it will be the big game. Barry Denyer, Chris Johnson, and Ron Rogers, expert commentator Chris Egan, and Josh Carter will be sharing the expert commentator role there. Can't wait for it. Going to be a cracking game. So the first hour, they'll get everybody in that's been in through the year and, and get their opinions, whatever. Sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, I can't wait for it. It's going to be absolutely awesome. So in the morning, you're doing... I'm doing as normal. I'll come in and do a two-hour music mix hey. between 8 and 10 o'clock, and then we'll go into the Super Saturday Sports Show with the uh, golf show, and then we'll have, of course, Square Gators at 10.30. Then at 11, we'll have another slight little music mix ahead of Sport and Road at 11.30 that'll lead into Essential Hits, that'll lead into our big coverage of the Grand Final at 1 o'clock. just on Sunday, what's the deal with the Grand Final, GVFL Grand Final? What times? I believe, and I'm only going off what my technician has told me, Adam Watkins. Uh, that or our technician, I should the, say, the, the one, great technician, the one FM technician, that we are starting at midday. At on, midday on Sunday. So are we calling the twos? No, we're not. But we'll give score updates throughout the day on mm. all scores. And by the way, Echuca in all four grand finals in the under 16s, thirds, reserves, and seniors. Well, Lancaster were last week, and they won two out of three, didn't they? All right, yeah, boys, let, let's go back to, to AFL, because like always, we're running short on time. We will be off air at 7 o'clock. We're going to jump to the news, and Richo is going to kick in with some wicked music to take off on our Friday night. So let's get into it now. Patrick Cripps wins the Brownlow. Three votes. P. Cripps was the last words Gillan McLaughlin spoke uh, on the night. And look, 29 votes. Rocky Neal, 28 Took Miller, 27. Brayshaw and Oliver equal fourth with 25th, uh, 25 votes. Petrarca, 24. Callum Mills, 21. Jeremy Cameron, a forward, actually getting in there with some votes at 19. Zach Merritt, 17. And Dion Prestia from the Tigers rounds out the top 10 at 16 votes. So uh, f- first off, boys, take away the tribunal. Let's, let's, let's pull that out of conversation for now. Paddy Cripps winning the Brownlow, a worthy winner in where he's been, where his career's been, what he's done over the year. Is he the right winner? I, I think so. I, look, he, he came in for some criticism, particularly last year. He got, they, well, Colton got some help in that midfield in the off-season with George Hewitt and Adam Sierra coming to the club, of course, Hewitt from the Swans, Sierra from Fremantle. Cripps looked lighter at the start of the year. He looked like he was 10 kilograms a bit lighter at the start of the year. And I I felt that that little mix just helped uh, Cripps produce probably his best season ever. Terrific season he had. Early on, I thought he was outstanding that first five or six weeks. I I just still don't understand why he didn't get three votes in every game there. He, He was you know, kicking goals. He was, and I think he was fitter this year. He, he last year he was carrying a bit of an injury for the whole season. This year he was much fitter, and he played right through. And he was the best player on the night. I thought it was a great count, absolutely terrific count. I thought Gill did a good job, and the way the 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 votes fell kept you interested right to that last vote count. 
And so, you know, did Lockie Neal have a great year? Yes, he did. A trick Miller, I thought, was outstanding. Um, to have come third, and he was really... Because he was probably the the standout player at the Suns, and he was so... Because he's the standout player, he was so easy to be uh, monstered by other teams and, and close checking on him. So they've still got to, to come third. I thought it was a, a terrific end result for him and a good result for the Suns to get somebody up there again. So, Cripps, yep, but you, you can say Jace will take the tribunal out of it, but no, it's no, no, come now into can, it. Now you can bring the tribunal back into it. I just wanted to pull that out and see whether that you felt that he was the right guy for, to win it. Um, obviously, I've been on him since the start. Uh, I, he was the one I backed heavily earlier in the year, and... I on d- our first show, you picked him as your Brownlow medalist. I picked up um, the, the bit Oliver. that I, I, I do that? find I odd, can't though. I remember, to be honest. That was a long time ago. But my sister, a very happy Carlton supporter, picked up some pretty big odds, but gamble responsibly. Well, I, I, I did think, though. Remember, our first show was a Friday night. Richmond had played Carlton the night before, and he'd kicked three goals, had 30 touches, and you're thinking, well, you know, the, the, how good's Cripps? He only got one vote that night. Yeah, I don't understand. He didn't even... So... The, the first game where he was the absolute best on ground, they don't always get it right. Um, and then when they lost to uh, Fremantle two games later and Brayshaw lit it up, he did get the three votes and Brayshaw didn't. So Well, I don't it, know about always getting it right, right because it's, it's, it's hard. It's a matter of perception too. Yeah, I, I agree. But obviously on the night, uh, I don't know who did get the three votes on that one. I, I didn't, didn't know. That. I just noted that he'd only got the one vote on that that spot so but the tribunal side all right bridges um tribunal throw th- put that into the equation now well we have to bring it into the equation because it's it's happened so often over the last period of time let's just go back a little bit and see who has survived and won a grand final uh, the last time judd won a grand final he should have been brownlow you mean brownlow i mean he he elbowed a guy in the head should have been suspended and wasn't uh you, five Five is another one. Elbowed in the head. Should have been no, suspended. He kicked, um, kicked one of the Saints players in the head, remember? Yeah, but he also elbowed. There was two that year. He had two. He got he two got lives. A, yeah, he got two lives or whatever. So the, the thing is, we talked about. I talked about this last week. The AFL has a major, major problem in their, AFL, in their tribunal results, the way it's done. It has to be all tossed out the window and done again. It has to be... the, the Having the MRP doesn't work. Having a tribunal and then having an appeals board. And then you can still go to a judge. You can still go to a judge or whatever else. It has to be tidied up, the AFL. And there's what it does is it leaves the door open to say, okay, does the AFL know who's up there in the, in the votes? Because it's happened so often that somebody should have been suspended and didn't in the end got off, or for whatever reason, got off and still went on and won the Brownlow. I, I think if you talk about someone like Cripps, uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that by round 12 or 14 when he got got um, charged, that he was going to be a, a favourite. It, it was round 18 or whatever. It was round, no, was, it was round 21, wasn't it? Because he would have missed the last two games. It, been, it was round 21. Right. Well, so. he was already... So, but do, the question is, do they get favouritism t- treatment or whatever? Now, Gil McLaughlin came out and said he wasn't happy with the way the tribunal system worked. He wasn't happy that Cripps was able to still go up and get it. He made the statement, not me, Gil McLaughlin did, that he wasn't happy about it. But he, as the AFL, control all this. 
So if they're not happy with it, fix it. Well, it ain't going to be him fixing it because he's left that as his legacy. Oh, the, wow. the last thing he's left there is obviously got a grand final, but the last individual player award he's left was a player getting the Brownlow that should have been suspended. Now, we'd seen so many others throughout the year be suspended for doing exactly the same thing. I think he's still... Every, like anybody that bumped, Ryder was one for a start. He should have been got off. He was less, far less than what is. And anybody and then you who asked the Brisbane kid, how's the Brisbane kid? He missed three weeks because Cripps clonked him. Three weeks he missed from for, because of concussion. Calamachi. And then earlier in the year was it um, Mitch Robinson? No. Or yeah, he Walt- was, and he got suspended. And that same week, someone else got off. Um, Willie Rioli got off. One exactly the same, similar thing. It, it just, it, it's it's too ambiguous of what is actually suspendable and what's not and, and whatever. And I, they just have to fix it. It's just not uh, right. Is the AFL the only sport that it's actually the best and fairest? Like NBA, all those other... Usually well, it's MVP. It's MVP, yeah. Are we the only only one that has, has I guess, either remained or, or got the rule of you must be the fairest as well as the best? I think it is. Most... I think it's an AFL thing. Most... Um, country leagues and that are all revolved around the same thing. If you're suspended, you can't win it. The thing is, it's uh, in the AFL. I can only remember Grant is one that lost it. I oh, know there was um, the Carlton guy, the big Carlton guy. He lost one too on it. Um, um, it's just I don't know. It's the thing, but plenty have got through. Have been suspended and got off and gone through and won it. That's the issue. It's not who's been suspended and won it. And it's lost who it. should have been suspended and weren't suspended, and then they've gone on to win it. And we've been out. We can name three in the last ten years. Yep. Well, we shouldn't be naming three people. It means the system's flawed. And I think that's according to you. That doesn't necessarily make that statement right. Oh, only because why? Because I'm not part of the majority of the world, including the AFL CEO, that says the system's flawed. The world said that the world was flat for a very long time. And then you rolled a little bit and they realised it was round. The fact is, I believe, and it's my opinion, yes, that the system is wrong. It it has let players win Brownlows that shouldn't have. And has also taken away from players that should have won it and didn't. So since the tribunal system has no ability to be fair, and let's face it, it's uh, if you any tribunal system, any court always has two sides to a story, and someone's already always dirty at the end result. I can only come up with two players, Sydney, that have been have won the Brownlow but were suspended. Uh, Chris Grant, like yes. you said, from the Bulldogs. Corey McKernan, McKernan from that was Melbourne. the one I was thinking of. He was the other one. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so there's only been and, two, and both should have won it. Okay, I, I think both were good enough on the day and didn't win it because, and both of them. What they were suspended for wasn't enough. Okay, but so if the tribunal system's flawed, and I'm just saying that at any court, any tribunal bit's always going to have two sides and someone's not happy, can we still have it as the fairest? Should that not be tossed out the window? Should it not just be the best player voted three votes on the day, regardless of what he does? I'm I'm leaning that way. I, I, know, I, I, I don't think the AFL would change it because it does make our... Brownlow medal stand out. But if the tribunal can't give a fair result, then, then it, it's affecting things. Like Lockie Neal now, he, he would feel a bit dirty that he... I know you probably don't want to win the thing being second either. There's probably the other side of it as well. 
does Lockie Neal, if if Patrick Cripps had been rubbed out like he should have been, well, he wouldn't have won it because he, w- he wouldn't have got the three votes in the last round. How do you know he wouldn't have got three because votes? Because he last would have round. been suspended. He was suspended for two weeks. He wouldn't have played that round. Fair enough. Then. Okay, all right. I'll definitely give you that one. So then, Lockie Neal would have been stood at the top of the tree and would have been happy. But had it still fallen twenty nine twenty eight, Lockie Neal's not the best, but he wins. Again, a, a flaw in the system. Well, when Grant lost it, Robert Harvey won it, and he he felt rather flat about the fact that he won it. And he, and won he it, but he didn't want it. Yeah. yeah. So throw it out. Stats, what do you reckon? You're always the, the man of wisdom on these things and go with the illogical side. No, I just think it should always remain fairest and best because then what incentive is there for players to be the best and fairest? They get suspended. They don't get votes. They're not there. They don't play those games, and so they can't get votes. And as we said, Cripps would not have got won it because he wouldn't have played that last game because he was suspended. Boy, should the Brownlow medal be moved to the bye week? Oh, no. I, 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 no, leave it on the Sunday night's what I want. The, so I, I like, like the Sunday the night. The Sunday night. The Monday night, I'm, I'm back at basketball. The world exists. The whole thing, you know, we're all working Sunday night was great. It was. I was pretty happy with that. Uh, the bye week would be okay. Uh, just what it would do, it would change. Okay, if let's say um, a, a, a Sydney or a Geelong player won the Brownlow this week, and then they've got to play the grand final this week, I think that adds a huge amount of pressure on that person to not only get over the hangover, which Cripps did have. And I, if, if he was playing this week, he probably couldn't have got on the slop either, I know. If he were but playing, they wouldn't have been drinking anyway. So that's... The, that's right. Well, that's another thing that got brought up during the week the as well. Is, is, it a good, is it a good look that we see players at a function uh, drinking like that? If you cut them, do they bleed? Are they human? Like, you know, they, they have to be allowed to live life. And, and I, look, I, look, I well, agree, but does it have to be so no, obvious uh, on, on well, television? But, no, but that's the point right there. It is Channel 7 who choose to show you having a drink because you've got votes. It's Channel 7 choosing to flash to yeah, you. So Channel 7, it's the same as the, the, the guy on the ground. He, he's playing and he misses a goal and you can hit, see him curse and carry on. And you can read his lips and know exactly what he said. Is it his fault? No, it's Channel it's 7 for showing further. it. Um, so the drinking on the thing is a Channel 7 thing to monitor uh, and not put that up on the screen. I, I think it's just it's, uh, it's part of life. It's a big celebration. We are human. But what I do like is the fact that we, uh, those clubs, the two clubs that were still there, what were they drinking and what was all on their tables? Water. Glasses of water. And okay. this, this is so all the reason the professional- they should say the bye week because there'd be eight clubs doing that and not two. Well, that would be, yes, okay. Um, but then again, if you're Paddy Cripps and you were still in the finals, then you probably didn't, couldn't celebrate the same. No, I think the, the week before, it, it's there. Also, it, it carries that who's going to win thing through a little bit further of who's going to be the Brownlow medalist, who's going to be, be it there. Then they win it the week before. They lead into a grand final. If you're, let's say Dangerfield won it, just pull in a, a name out. Or Callum Mills was the highest ranking player of a player still alive in the in the comp. Callum Mills win it. What a ride he's on this week. Mm. You know, 
Can you give us stats the win the we've got to have to Brown go very quickly. The Brownlow leaders from each club. Well, we might leave that because we're going to have to get on to the grand final. But just yep. real quickly, Mitch Georgiagi's got the mark of the year, Port Adelaide. Fair? Uh, yeah, that wasn't... I didn't think it was the greatest mark of the year, no. Uh, I, look, yeah, it was hard. Mark of the year is a hard one because it's all, always a, a perspective of, you know, how did they, how long did they hang, how did they do it? But the goal of the year, I was pretty happy with Draper winning. I thought that was yeah. I thought that was a that was a, the goal of the year, no doubt. I was pretty Draper. happy with that. I yeah. thought that was. Was that now again? We get by say this every year. Was that not the moment of the year? Not the goal of the year? Like, let's look at the the skill level. Yeah, he's a big man, but it was the play. It was the play of the year. It wasn't the goal of the year. The goal of the year should be based either on um, pure luck or pure skill or something that's physically impossible. But yet it happens, and we saw so many goals like that throughout the year. Yet a big Kick ruckman, from impossible angles. Yeah, something you know that he's been pushed out of bounds at the point post, and somehow he kicks a goal from there. And that's what goal of the year should be. We need another category. And what Draper did—that was player of the year. Same as uh, when Buddy won. It, Buddy's it was, one was the same. It was player. Of the, year. the goal itself was just uh, was nothing special at the end. He nobody in front of him. He kicked the goal from fifteen meters what straight I'm, out in front. What I'm disappointed about on the night is we still haven't got uh, got a golden fist. We have not recognised Danny Frawley, and and they were and supposed to be doing that, weren't they? They were. I, I want to see a, a Backman Award that like there's nothing there. All right. We're going to have to cut it short. We can look. We'll pick up Brownlow talk if we want next week after we're we're going through with our follow up show. But if we don't jump to our last sponsors break, boys, we'll run out of time. We won't be able to talk about the big game. You're listening to the AFL Opening Bounce, brought to you by Pat and Tina's BP Service Station up the north end of Shepparton. You're live and local here on One FM. Pat and Tina's BP Service Station North Shepparton has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than fifty years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet, and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. And welcome back to the AFL opening bounce. And up there, Kazali will no doubt be played tomorrow afternoon before the big dance gets underway. And... Look, we have a big, big game. These two teams have fought for six months to make themselves get through to tomorrow's game, and it all comes down to now who wants it most. Throw your game plan out the window, just who wants it most. Cats versus the Swans. As far as the Cats, no change to their lineup. Uh, Mark O'Connor was the medical sub last week, uh, and he is not listed even as an emergency this week. So he has... I oh, know he's listed as emergency, so he could be the medical sub. We won't know that until tomorrow. Across at the Swans, uh, Payton McLean has come in. Logan McDonald has been omitted, the young man who is a future superstar of the forward line, but he's been omitted for the grand final. And like we were talking earlier, well-deserved a medal, but he isn't going to get one. Braden Campbell was the medical sub last week, and he is listed on the emergency, so he could be again. Two big milestones as well. What a day to play your 250th game. Zach Tui and Jake Lloyd clocks up 200. So big big milestones there, stats, for yeah, the I biggest day. Yeah, I believe that Zach Tui, 250th, is yes. the second player to do that on a grand final. He timed that well, didn't he? Accidental injury early in the year or something. I just, just got to make sure I get me 250 on grand final day. <laughs> I think he's played every game, Tui, this year. 
He, he's been very good for them, really. I think you might find that I, off the top of my head, Selwood will become this Saturday the most finals player with yes. 40 yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, one, one ahead of the Hawthorne great um, Michael Tuck. You know, um, Selwood has the same amount of finals wins as St Kilda does. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Selwood's at. He has the same amount of finals wins as St Kilda does. <laughs> <laughs> He's only then he what he didn't even need 150 years. <laughs> uh, by, what are the odds, Statsman? Yeah, odds first. Let's get into odds. Well, Geelong are the favourites. They're one to two on in the old a dollar fifty. Sydney are two dollars sixty, and the line's thirteen and a half. All right, for the last time for the year, Bridges, break a game down for us. I will. I will. I'm looking forward to breaking this one down because. I'm still sitting on the fence at this stage. I haven't, I haven't picked a winner. I just can't decide. But looking at the teams, you have a look at that forward line of Sydney, Papley. He's a, a very disliked player by other teams. And he over-accelerates or whatever. The fact is he gets to celebrate because he kicks goals. Big Lance, people say he's done, but he keeps kicking goals. He keeps controlling that forward line. I thought in that first half last week, he was tremendous. He, he really took marks that he's not always been a big overhead marker, but he did the job then. Is he going to get to Koning? I think he will. He'll, Koning ha- will go to him because he's tall enough, and that will. but he hasn't got the muscle that Franklin has. Uh, and I think Bues will go to Papley. He's been doing a good job as a shutdown guy there. On the forward... You've got Sam Reid for Sydney. I think he's had a good year. And is, are they actually going to play him there? This, they're saying they are. But when we get to 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, I'm not so sure that he will run out on the ground. I hope he does for his sake. And I hope he does for Sydney's sake. Because that really stretches the Cats' defence. They don't have a lot of height in that defence, Geelong. Tom Stewart's not a big guy. He, he's a guy that runs off. He gets a lot of the ball, yes, but he doesn't cover a guy. Jack Henry, look, he's only 24 and he's still not a big fella. He's the one will have to go to Sam Reid and I don't know that he's got the talent to, to actually do that. So there's, there's issues there for the Geelong defence. Go to the midfields. Joel Selwood, he'll start on the bench, of course. That's where he'll be. Uh, or will Danger start on the bench? Selwood will start on the bench. It's oh. professional bench started the all final series. Let's the game last half of the year, I think. Yep, he, he lets the game unfold, listens to the coach, gets a message, and off he goes. Yeah, go go and cover this part of it. And not only that, Danger was really good last week. He gave Sydney that um, Geelong that start that they need. If he can come out, yeah, there's no tomorrow, way you bench Danger to start with and yet. kick a goal or two. I, I think that'd be great for Geelong. Well, he's not going to make the same mistake as he as he did against Collingwood in that first final where he started them both on the bench. No, look, da- Danger started in the middle last week and drifted straight forward through a mismatch in the forward line with him being in there and kicked the first goal and that they were away from that point so mm. I, I'd almost expect him to do exactly the same play I'm sure Sydney will be trying to be aware of it and there'll be a Lloyd fist there somewhere but Lloyd's got some big targets to to try and fill in there as well they do and Sydney though they've got Callum Mills Warner like these are really class young fellows and then, uh, then you've got Robottom. I love Robottom. He's just stand up this year. He's made He's himself still a player. Still underrated. 
he's still, I, a lot of people don't rate him, but I do. I think he's terrific. And that and Luke Parker, what what a soldier he is. Absolute wonder. Then you go to the half forward line. Well, then you've got you go the other way. Then you've got Cameron, who runs up the field. He he's a gun, and and I, whatever Sydney paid for him, they still got him cheap. Because he's such a he's such a class player, and I hope his hamstring stands up and gets him right the way through. And I don't think Paddy McCartan can stay with him. He'll run up the field, and I think that's going to be a problem for Dane, Sydney. Dane Rampey will go to Jeremy Cameron. Sounds fair. I could have that. Yep. And I don't. But the same, you go to the next level. I don't think Tom McCartan is up to Tom Hawkins either. What do you mean? He's blanketed him the last three times that they've played. Yeah, well, it, Tom Hawkins. Is gonna. I think he'll he'll be a star tomorrow. Tom is the one that's going to break this forward line open. Then you got the little fellas around them, Stingle and Rowan. The question marks are still going to hang around. Well, who's Rowan Paddy McCartan going to go to then? If if Rampy's busy there, Paddy surely Paddy McCartan goes to to Hawkins. No, to no. Hawkins. Uh, well, no. Hawkins Hawkins and Cameron are going to be taken Tom, up by Tom, two McCartans. Tom McCartan will go no, to Ramp, Hawkins. Rampy will get Cameron, I reckon. And yeah. I reckon that Tom McCartan, who's blanketed Tom Hawkins the last three times that they played, he'll start there. Right. And who's Paddy going to target then? He's not a... He'll just he, be the floater. He, he's not a floater. That's he not is, his he's job. He's a marking floater. And he's still normally got a target that's that's there with him. And if you look in their forward line, well, maybe Gary Rowan, you could send him there. Yeah, maybe. Keep uh, him out of the game for the first bit. Then, you don't then have we have a, look at, have a look at Rucks. Reece Stanley and Bleak Havs have done the job for for Geelong all year, and they've done it pretty well in, in effect. After because the last couple of years they haven't done the job properly. Just on that, what they've been doing in recent times, Geelong, Reece Stanley takes the first bounce, and then he goes defensive, and then Bycarves takes over in the ruck. So effectively, Geelong create a plus one in defence. You guys Bicarb- sound like an advertisement for Coles Bycarb. Yeah, bicarb soda. It's blitzarves, man. Blitzarves. I can't see, I can't see John Longmire allowing that to happen. Well, that may what, not what's be. What's he going to do? Send Hickey back with um, Stanley? I don't know how he's going to fix it up, but I can't see it happening. Well, I, I, th- I think Tom Hickey's going to uh, is a good player, and I think he's a. <laughs> He's not a gun player, but he's so solid. He can mark, he can kick, he can kick goals, and he, he plays most of the game on the field. Well, this is why they brought McLean into the team, I reckon, to uh, pinch hit in the ruck. Okay. Uh, he, he, one thing on Hickey there is late in games, he's standing up in the final series and taking some massive marks, mm. just right where the play really is, could go either way. And then in a pack mark, the two arms go up and he just plucks one down and stops the game. Oh, I think he's terrific. Uh, I, I, I watch him. He's a big hairy goat, but he does really well. Then you've got your Ruck Rovers in Row Bottom and Luke Parker. And on the other side, you've got Danger and Guthrie. Cam Guthrie's a really good player, isn't he? He just does the job every week for Cats. I'm really impressed with the way he keeps going about it. Interchange, you've got Zach Guthrie, who's had a good year and played all year. And Tom Atkins, who's he's another gun, isn't he? Atkins, I, I think he just plays well. He'll get a, a shutdown job probably more so to, tomorrow. Myers and Max Holmes. Hope Holmes's um, hamstring is okay. Atkins will go to Mills if I if I was trying to disrupt. Tr- trouble things. is Mills will be going to somebody. Mills is he'll the be Sydney going to Dangerfield. Yes, yeah, so I'm it, still trying to send Atkins to get under Mills's skin and. And let go loose. If not, you're probably moving him to Chad Warner. But 
I don't think you need to waste him there. Uh, I, I really think if you can get Atkins playing on on Mills, that falls into Geelong's hands in the first half. Yeah, but it's not. That's not how Longmire wants it to go. No, Mills all go to Dangerfield. Yep. And just to finish off with that, the other on the bench for Sydney is Robbie Fox, Ryan Clark, Dylan Stevens, and Hayden McLean. And what you notice about these two teams is, is who's the bottom five of them? Normally. You know, you look at each side and you say, well, that's the bottom five players there and that's their bottom five. Neither of these teams have bottom fives. They're both really good 23 good players on either side. It's going to come down to a flip of the coin, I hope, tomorrow afternoon. What are your thoughts and who's going to win, Jase? I'm on the Cats. I've been on the Cats for the last sort of half of the year, really. I just... I think their window's been open for so long. They're that team that we say at the start of every year, yeah, surely they're going to fall off this year. But they don't. They just find a way. And I think now we're getting to the point where Selwood and a few others are starting to go, Father Time's just about got me here. This is getting to our last chance. I think that this is some of those players' last chance. If they win, I believe we'll be sitting here next week saying, Selwood, what a player he was, and good luck in your retirement. Because I think they'll go, thank you very much, I'm walking out the door. Danger might do the same if that happens, if they win there. So there's a few on that side that go through. As far as Sydney, look, I, I feel bad for Sydney not if they don't win, but at the same time I look at the age of Sydney's list and... I think the AFL have, or like the other 17 clubs, have a real worry the next five years ahead of them because Sydney have a list that is, their window is not even open. This is like, I guess, the dogs back in 2016 with a bunch of 21 year olds. Oh, that, that there. That this is a dynasty building that they've got there. And Lance Franklin's still in, but who did they drop? Logan McDonald, his replacement, uh, who's now a couple of years into the system. I think he got dropped because he just hasn't influenced on the final yeah, series. Yeah, because you can't fit him and Franklin on the same side. That's the, that's the, he's, he is Franklin. He's their next Franklin. That's his job. So while Franklin's there, he's going to always be the odd man out. So for me... I'm on the Cats. I think it's going to be a close one. I think the defence is going to, and the calmness is going to be the difference between these two teams. We saw it last week. Sydney were able to control the play and stay calm enough under that heavy pressure of Collingwood. Cats, we know they don't, they don't get flustered. They, they go through. The only risk Cats really have is Sydney has a lot of halfback rebound pace. And that could come bring Sydney's uh, bring the Cats' older legs a little bit unstuck. What are your thoughts, Stats? I think Sydney, they're ranked number one in pressure this year. They're ranked fourth in contested ball. They're ranked second best scoring team on turnover. I think they're younger and they might run Geelong off their legs a little bit. I think the key matchup, we haven't touched on it. I think Ryan Clark will go to Tom Stewart and that will upset... Uh, because they get all that run coming out a half back through Stewart with their uh, half forwards. And nobody covers him, do they? It, no. And the half forwards lead up. you got those little half forwards that lead up for Geelong off the back of Stewart getting that inside 50 ball. Hmm. Ryan Clark going to him in a shutdown role could go a long way towards Sydney winning this match. I think then if that's the case, Zach Tui will slide back into that role and he'll have to he'll try and take over from Tom Stewart's spot and they'll play an extra man in defence coming out. Uh, boys, my heart sa- very my quickly. Heart, my head says Geelong's going to win. My heart says Sydney. I think Sydney can win. So you're on Sydney. Margin? Oh, 13 points. Stats, Sydney, you're on by? 
I'll go for a draw on extra time, Sydney, after the siren, and then they'll draw the game after the siren with Buddy Franklin kicking a goal because he kicked the thousand in round right. two against Geelong, and then it will be uh, Cats Swans in extra time. Cats by seven for me. Now we've got a minute and a half or so left before we jump to a song, and then we have the news. Uh, Norm Smith Medal. Let's spend a minute on Norm Smith Medal. Who, who is going to carry Norm home, um, and is it going to be on the winning team? Oh, good question, Jace. Come on. I'm I'm going to go with Isaac Heaney. Ooh, on the okay. Winning team. Bit left field. Well, if 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 Sydney are going to win, he has to kick three or four goals. He has mm-hmm. the ability to do that, and he's he's a player that's very hard to cover. Stats. It's easy for me, uh, and it's pretty stock standard. I think Luke Parker, if the Swans win, and Paddy Dangerfield, if Geelong win. I'm on Paddy Dangerfield, I think, for it. His final series has been top level. He's been vintage Dangerfield there with it. Luke Parker, yeah, I could definitely have that. Um, Wouldn't surprise me, though, to see, um, and he could pop up and do it, young Chad Warner actually be the one that really gets in there and goes it goes hard and, and picks it up. So we've got uh, two on the Cats, so two on the Swans, me on the Cats, um, of course, down at Pat and Tina's BP. Uh, Tina down there, she's a cat supporter as much as they come, so she's hoping for that. And Joey's going, says, we're going for the Quinella. Demons last year, cats this year, keeping it in the family. So <laughs> that's where they're both on from our sponsors. Uh, boys, thank you very much for, for coming in. We will have one more show, everyone, next week. So do tune in for a follow-up of the all the breakdown of the grand final and everything next week. Other than that, uh, thanks very much, guys, for your info. Yep. Looking forward to the game tomorrow. Okay, you're listening to AFL Opening Bounce, brought to you by Pat and Tina's BP Service Station. Santina's BP service station North Shepparton has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile, the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.